on this episode of Mistake by the Take. Jake and Dylan look at the Guardians once again. James Karinchek, option to AAA Columbus. Was it the right move? Then they take a look at Tito Francona and the managerial catastrophe from Tuesday night, as well as take a look at the pitching situation and is it still time to trade Bieber? They finally wrap things up with a Friday draft. The worst Guardians let goes since 2000. They let guys walk and it was a mistake. Find out who their top three picks are, and it's all coming up right now on this episode of Mistake by the Take. Episode 13 of Mistake by the Take, Jake Volnick alongside Dylan Feltovich. Start the episode with the most important question of the day as always. Dylan, how are we doing today? Dude, I'm I'm like not in a good mood whatsoever. It started last night because played some golf and it we we it was one of the worst rounds of the year so far and I was pretty pissed off with myself. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm just dead, dead right now. Woke up at 4 a.m., couldn't fall back asleep kind of thing, you know? I think we're both in the same boat of the sleep part. Yeah, I mean, you knew I was awake. You, <laughs> I get a text. I woke up at like 4.15, and I look at my phone, and I get a text from Jake at 3.50 saying, oh, yeah, I have a new hot key. Remind me to put it in in the morning. I'm like, what are we doing right now? This is going to be awful. Yeah, uh, so... Obviously, like, you know, worked part-time at the movie theater. Got to see Flash a little bit early, but it didn't start until midnight. So I was like, mmm, you know? Like, you gotta bite the bullet yeah, at some point. Yeah, I, I just had to go, and then I, I came home, and I was finishing up the outline. And if you're gonna hear this buzzing in the background, there's construction going on around us, so yeah. not much we can do about it. Deal with it. Yeah, I you're gonna have to power through, I unfortunately. Care. Yeah, but, uh, um, no. But yeah, I, I had to go see it, and then I finished up the outline when I got home, because I'm an absolute psychopath yeah sometimes you do that like i'm surprised yeah yeah, dude it's just like i'm still awake enough and something pops in my head and i'm like i just gotta roll like yeah it's gonna be you know i'm gonna get excited today and get really amped because we both are uh yeah i got some stuff on my chest and that was what was really irking me uh but you mentioned the new hockey we might as well display it a little bit just a little bit of a uh how many times do we have to teach you this lesson old man I love that clip so much. Man. It's so good. Yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, yesterday the golf the golf was no bueno. You know, I'm usually you know 43 to 45 is my my range that I get in for uh, you know just on nine and um, trying to do the hot deal. We had to make a quick change in location because the one place that we we're gonna go to was crowded. Go to this other place. It's pretty nice pretty excited my home course and stuff and then we get there there's a shitload of kids on the putting greens and i'm like oh no there is definitely going to be some junior thing and i'm not talking just like 13 14 you know that age range i'm talking like not even in the teens type thing oh yeah and so then i'm like i'm looking at it and we rush into the clubhouse, get in there. By the way, it's I'm, I went golfing with Jake and Dylan, obviously trying to reiterate that these people are real people. Again, um, yeah, not just clones of us, and right. Fake names, right? So then I go, we go in, we rush in, we get the tea time, we're good. Run up to the to the box, and I just felt the pressure of the little kids because they were teeing off at six thirty nine, 
and we were teeing off at 6.34, I believe. So we were... Yeah, so you got them right on your heels. And here's the thing. The other part of it, too, was they... Not only was it they're going to be on the first hole. They There were so many of them that they split up between hole one and two. So for the first, like, four holes, I was just, like, these little kids were living rent-free in my head. And I just played, like, dog shit. And I... Mental just out the door and I ended up pulling it together shot a 47 which is horrendous for me but yeah no I mean it was it was bad and then um it was funny because um we went out to dinner after and uh special shout out to uh Jake himself um not not my co-host Jake I'm talking Jake Snyder he you know at Panini's just chilling there getting a burger and we look up watching the game He's like, yeah, Savali's been pitching pretty well. Uh, you know, hopefully he can continue it. And right as he uh, says that, Fernando Tatis just hits the nuke. And I'm like, it's on you, buddy. And he's like, I'll take that one. So, yeah, not a not a good day, to say the least. I feel like I, I walked in here, and the first thing I said to Jake was, I feel like 10 Mack trucks have just nailed me. So... Yeah, you know, it's a little rough, but... It's a, uh, it's a rough day. But yeah. hey, we're good. We're good. So I guess we have uh, other Jake to uh, blame for this rant that yeah. we're going to go on today. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, other than the Flash, I had a good day. I pretty much did nothing. Today was like my... Or yesterday was my lazy day. Today is... This is pretty much all I have, so I have a couple days this to rest. Is, yeah, this is my lazy day because, I mean, I lifted yesterday and I also played golf. That was my problem. I think I just need to, like, manage my lifting and golf schedule because it's just getting brutal now on the body <laughs> this this man is is having the roughest of lives dude I'm he like, goes I'm to a... work and then he's gotta oh go work out you know on his own accord and then play golf yeah wow i'm a 55 year old at heart yeah you really are yeah i mean that's, that's all it. there is to it i'll admit it uh but yeah no other than that i mean i've pretty much been uh just riding the wave a little something that you can't do quite yet unfortunately you know Couple days away. Happy early Couple birthday! Couple days away. Thank you, Jake. I yeah, appreciate it. Th- yeah. This is the the last time I'll be able to say it on the pod before you're actually 21. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been you know dabbling in sports gambling as I always do. And <laughs> yesterday, another good day. Dabble, good dabbling. One. Yeah. Uh, but start out, you know, live line on the the Braves when they go down in game one of a doubleheader. Of course, they rally back and kill it. And uh, my my team, the Reds. Just having a having a nice little time. Actually, put the uh, MLB early token on if anybody knows what it is with uh, DraftKings. Not sponsored, but they uh, you like if they go up by two, you instantly win. Yeah, and the Reds' offense is so electric that like they go up by two almost every game, whether they win or lose. Right. So lock that one in. Won another quick twenty and uh, put money on the guards. Unfortunately, I had like fifteen, but it was a no sweat. So I got to rally it back in. I just have to determine whether I want to put fifteen on. The guards to win the central because I'm already in on that, or on the Reds to win the central because I'm already in on that. Reds go Reds on that one. No trust in the Guardians, man. But yeah, no, it. You were like, you were blowing up my phone, like <laughs> texting me all your bets, and it's meanwhile it's just me just slamming my club on the ground, just pissed off. Yeah, it was. It was just. It's interesting to say at least. You're. You're. I don't know if I'm mad at you for going all in on these Reds and like you know. Being like a pro Reds fan, just because you know Cleveland, Cincinnati. No, no, guards beat. come first. Absolutely, no, I, I get but that. But like, listen, when the line's there, and when a team gets hot, all right, like right now, 
If the guards and the Reds win the Central on the last day of the season, dude, I walk away with five hundred dollars. Yeah, I and guess. Like, 140 of that is on the Reds winning 66 games. They literally have to go like 30 and 60. Was that like an alternate line? No. 65 and a half was their team total. Wow. They were slept on. I I had a friend, shout out my friend Ben. He he texted me. Ben, yeah. Yeah. To literally start the year before it started, he goes, Reds team total. I didn't even have to think about it, dude. I was just like, in. Like, wow. I already know it's going to be low because they won 62 games last year. And this offense is electric. And I knew from working in minor league baseball last year kind of what they had coming up. They were young. Yep. Yeah. That's the key there. A lot of high prospects and all those guys getting called up and, a, like, almost all of them succeeding. Yeah. Wow. I mean, how many wins do they have right now? They are 34 and 35. They're a game off of 500 and I believe a game and a half or two games out of first place right now in the NL Central. That's crazy. The yeah. way that you talk about them, man, mm-hmm. you'd think that they'd be like in the 40 win range. <laughs> huh? Hey, listen, they were a team that everyone was expecting to be in like the 20 win no, range. I'll, right I'll now. give you credit. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I'm taking it, man. I'm taking it. I got to, uh, not even that long ago, had a $10 free bet. I got to place it on them at plus 2,500 to win the division. Yeah. That's 10 to win $250. Yeah. And it was a free bet. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? Since I since we've been talking about how I will join the world, I'll just say it now, get out of the way, and because I was going to prolong it a little bit. But yeah, no, I am done playing baseball now, so I am fully like into this. Um, my reasoning just being like, you know, I I want to go into the sports media field. Obviously, as we talk about it, Jake and I doing a lot of stuff with WJCU and then also in sports info and just like there's a lot of potential down the road that we've been talking about too so it was more of just an option for me in the long run that would pan off and there was like no sense of like beef with the guys or the coaching staff I mean coach Bell was a fantastic coach for two years and you just saw it this year as uh, John Carroll won the OAC made it to the tournament but no I mean I I'm thankful for my time with all the guys, and I mean, I'm so obviously going to hang out with all of them. But no, Coach, Coach Bell, great guy. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm excited for my future though with uh, everything else, and he's you know very understanding about it too. So all love and respect to the team. I'm obviously going to follow along. We'll probably be helping out a lot next season still too. Absolutely. But yeah. No, I mean, either way. Um, yeah. I think we're we're ready to go. I just I had to get that off my chest eventually. Hey, good to get it out. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Of course, been around them. Got to uh, call the games this year, and yep. a lot of good people Great over. Group. Yeah. Great group of dudes. So, uh, but most importantly to this, that means um, no more NCAA bound, which means yeah, no kidding. As soon as you turn twenty one, the gates are off. Yeah, betting <laughs> is on. Yeah. No kidding. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap up the opening segment. We've been talking for just about ever at this point, right? right? Yeah, it's all good, though. But you know what that means? Oh, boy. Dylan, that means it's time. Here it is. For Hot Off the Press. All right, let's kick it straight into gear. Some big news dropping. Of course, we're going to start actually in the hockey world, though, because we have a new champion to crown. The Las Vegas Golden Knights take down the Florida Panthers 4-1 to in a series that I feel like kind of took the same route as the NBA Finals. Like, it, it didn't feel close at all. No, I mean, if I'm not like a 
big uh, NHL junkie. For some reason, my dad's like super into it now, but um, he's going to be proud that we're talking about it on the pod, actually. But no, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Florida, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Florida was not really, they were an underdog this year, kind of coming into it. And, you know, it was. It, they were literally the same story as the Miami Heat, practically. Right. So it's just kind of like. It was bound to happen at some point. It's a great story, obviously, especially with Miami doing what they were doing right now in the NBA. But, um, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just how it goes. And, I mean, the Golden Knights, right as they were an expansion team, like, they were, like, off and moving. So, I mean, it was bound to happen with them, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's Shout out the it. NHL yeah. for how they handle expansion teams, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, there's... In my mind, an expansion team, it hurts that they're good right away because other fan bases struggle, but all, they have to be, or else you're not going to build the fan base. No, and, and I think, too, it helps that it was Vegas as well because that brings in a lot more attention. I know I'm saying it, but, like, the betting world and stuff like that. So I, I think that that was a good move by them. I, I don't know the exact rules, but, like, I'm pretty sure there's ways where they can – they, I mean, Vegas, I, I talked to my neighbor who's, like, big into, you know, NHL as well. But he even said, like, they did a good job of just, like, manipulating, like, the draft and stuff and with picks and all of that. Did a good job there, and that's, you know, leads to success. Yeah, and a team that likes to spend money, too, not afraid to uh, dish it out when Especially they have Vegas, to. Especially Vegas, yeah. But moving on into the NFL, Stephon Diggs. We talked about it kind of on the last episode. Didn't show up for mandatory minicamp. And all of a sudden, McDermott coming out and saying now he was excused, even though the day prior he said he was very concerned. I I don't know what's going on with that scenario. Like, it's all over the place right now. My guess moving forward is that he'll still be playing for the Bills. But, like, I just don't even have, like, enough information on, like, what's going on. I I saw Josh Allen. They – um. When they were interviewing him at the podium, I mean, he even said, like, you know, that's my fucking dog. You know, I still love him to death. I support him no matter what. So, I mean, that's at least positive in that sense. But I, I just, I don't know. I, If I'm the Bills, too, like, I'm trying to hold on to Diggs as best as I can because, like, who else are you going to throw to? We mentioned that earlier. Like, there's nobody else. I mean, granted, maybe you're in the running for DeAndre Hopkins. But even then, like... You still need a number two option, like we said. And, I mean, they just have no one right now. Gabe Davis, not there. I I think he's just not worth the hype anymore. Khalil Shakir, you know, a young guy. But, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, only so much that you can really go out and predict, right? Right. But from what they're doing right now, it seems like they're doing their best to keep him happy and not put him in negative light, even though they already kind of did. They're trying to backtrack it as much as possible. But we'll shift over now. NBA. I mean, we're basically covering all the sports here with one topic apiece, but there's pretty big news in the national media, and I don't think it's going to become local, but interesting to look at. Bradley Beal and the Wizards now agreeing to exploring trade opportunities. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal kind of, and he's been a dog, and I think he's, I to casuals, they don't know how Bradley Beal's been. You know, he's been dominating. Uh, he's been he's, on such a bad Washington team for just, so long. Yeah, it just, he doesn't have a good Washington team. Ever since John Wall and all that has gone away, like, there's, it's just been, like, nothing there. And it, it's kind of the thing where it's just like, he's getting treatment where if he's on a bad team, like, no one really cares about you. But the dude's been a dog. Um, and, I mean, good for him to get out of there. 
I hope he goes to a team that will actually value him and surround him with other guys too. I don't know if he'll be a franchise piece, but like a good combo, you know, kind of like a Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic kind of thing. He's a great two. Right, exactly. So that's the thing. Like he couldn't do damage because he's not truly like the one guy, you know. He, he needs another star around him, which I think in today's NBA is the case for almost that. every guy. I mean, LeBron even needs one at this point, too. Granted, I mean, yeah, he's old, but still, that's just how the NBA is going right now. You see Kevin Durant, too. Like, it, no single guy can carry a team. Even Jokic this year needed Jamal Murray, and he stepped up. But no, good for him, though, overall, just getting out of there. Yeah, it's time for him to move on from Washington. I think we exactly. can all agree. Yeah. Uh, little NBA MLB hybrid, definitely in the local media. Donovan Mitchell receives the first pitch at the Subway Series game from Rick Pitino. Mitchell, decked out in Mets gear. Should Cavs fans be nervous, upset, not worried at all? I think we're going to eventually have to do an episode on all of this because it is, we one, we haven't talked about much Cavs stuff, obviously, since there's not much going on right now. But the th- other thing is, too, like I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. He's from New York. I mean, you, you even saw, you know, here's the, here's the other thing, too. Like, LeBron would always wear, like, New York stuff. All, do you remember that? Yeah. He'd wear, like, the like a Yankees hat at games and stuff, and, you know, fans did the same thing. It's just it wasn't as prevalent because it wasn't on Twitter or anything like that because, I mean, Twitter wasn't really a thing at that yeah, point. It, it wasn't popping. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's more of just, like, you got to realize I don't – it's been one year. Like, give them – a little bit of time to adjust and he's still balled out this year despite what other people say like yeah the playoff run wasn't ideal but I mean it can't be just him you know we're not placing all the blame on him Garland didn't step up in moments too uh Mobley other guys like it just it's all it's a team effort so I don't know if I I think people are just hitting the panic button on this one too soon yeah and maybe donovan mitchell does want to end up in new york but right now he's under contract and i didn't see anything last year that told me he was gonna you know send it in and mail it in early and not want to play for cleveland like he he was putting metal to the pedal to the metal and just going off yeah and i mean he's been there's still other things like where he's been you know relevant with like the browns and the guards like it's not a thing where I'm like, okay, dude, we got to get this dude out of here, stat. Like, no, he's going. He showed to be up around. for local games. Yeah, he's like, going and supported to be the teams. Yeah, I'm not worried at all about this. I'm not nervous either. It's a hometown team, guys. Even you know, baseball players in the MLB support their local teams when their team's out of it. Like, exactly. You're a fan at the end of the day. That's why we love the sport. That's why everyone loves the sport. Like, no matter what, even if I'm like. Say I do move down to a different place after college and stuff. I'm going to have that Cleveland attachment no matter what. And it's, I mean, even like other people too. Like that's just how it is. Like you grew up watching a certain team and that's just, he's going to have that New York attachment. And no matter what, I still think he's going to be all in with us. But I just, I think people are just handing the panic button way too much with it. You can be as unbiased as you try, but at the end of the day, you're always a fan first. And do our last story, and probably the most exciting of them all. Man. The Oakland A's fans organize a reverse boycott. All the fans showing up to the game pretty much for the first time this season. They got nearly 28,000 people in attendance against the Rays. And the best part, all the ticket sales went to a local food bank and a local education fund. And they totaled over $811,000 to donate back into their community. The crowd had the energy. They were going crazy. But, you know, 
I, we'll, we'll start on that point. I was in full support of all of that. Um, when you have a fan base rallying around one idea, it's usually a good thing. Because the thing is, like with the Donovan Mitchell stuff, people are split on this. But like this whole fan base is all in on this idea of get a new ownership, get someone else in here. And I mean, it, it goes to show you. And the cool thing too is, like, did they purposely plan it for the ticket sales to go for the local food bank? Oh yeah, they did. That is incredible. Good for all those people. Um, I know, obviously, the ending probably not the best, but like overall, like I mean, they were respectful too. They weren't doing it at, at, during the game. Obviously, they were respectful. They didn't like obstruct any type of play or anything like that. They they cheered at the right times. They did all the chants all in a good sense but like yeah i mean yeah, that's kind of incredible to say the least you know yeah they, they want to trash oakland fans say they're not a baseball town the way they reacted during that game and the energy they brought tells you otherwise give them a team and then you'll see something else yeah there there, there comes a point where you know without the product on the field every fan base kind of goes away yeah that just happens uh, the unfortunate part at the end we were talking about and the part i really disagree with the fans all threw trash onto the field after the game. You're mad at the owner. You're yeah. not mad at the groundskeepers. No. The groundskeepers have to go pick it up. There's a video of the head groundskeeper, the only guy out there individually picking up trash. Yeah, th- that's the thing where I was kind of... I, me working with the Rubber Ducks now, like seeing all the behind the scene and stuff, like these people put in the time and effort, and like you can't... It's not their fault, you know? Don't take it out on them kind of thing. I know you're trying to send a message and stuff, which you guys did a, a phenomenal job. But the only thing is, like, you got to just, to a certain extent, cut it out. Know that there's other people that you're affecting in your actions. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. You know, again, not mad at the groundskeepers. Those guys aren't the ones who you should be, you know, punishing for exactly the terrible ownership you've had to deal with. And you're mad, and rightfully so, but take it out on the right group. Right. But uh, that pretty much wraps up hot off the press. And uh, Lisa, Lisa, put out the fire. Great. Now we'll never get the game back. Oh, of course we will, buddy. It'll be back next episode. Shout out Lisa, man. Lisa always has her back putting out the fire. But uh, with that... You know what time it is. Here we go. It's time to hop into the guards. Let's get ready to rumble, baby. Before we get into our probably long-term rant, maybe we'll get a little heated on this subject too, some news broke late last week, and we just haven't been able to talk guards to get it out of the way yet, but now it's time. The guards option, James Karinczak, down to AAA Columbus. Karinczak, around a 390 RA on the season, And his last outing, again, had to deal with just not being able to get guys off the bases, giving up a run. So they sent him down, and initially, they recalled Tim Heron. And this was something on Tuesday where I was under the impression still, and I hadn't seen the news, that Tim Heron had one start and then got sent back down. For Heron, it was a pretty good outing, I can't lie. I mean, he went up, three innings pitched, three hits, gave up one run. Out of the bullpen, you give up a little bit of a... Length and you only give up one run. I, I think you take that if you're a team, especially out of a guy who's would be only your second left-hander in the bullpen. But then they go and activate Cody Morris off the IL, somebody they're really high on, and uh, 
he went ahead and actually pitched Tuesday, and he had an inning where he didn't give up any hits, any runs, and he struck out one. I think you should cue it. You think I should cue it? You think I? You got to. Well, it. James Karinchek. Welcome to Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, little, that bit was... of a, little bit of a technical difficulty there, but we got it. Yeah. You you won't even hear it because guess what? We'll probably cut it out too. Yeah. You know, make yeah. It like, you're, yeah. you're actually right. Dang. Yeah, Dang. I know I'm right. I know. I'm always right. Bitch. <laughs> there's a good one too. There's your, there's, <laughs> there's a hot key. Um, Welcome to Columbus. Yeah. There you go. Um, so here we go. Um it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. We've been saying it for the longest time since our like first episode. We've been saying James Karinchek is going to be moved at some point, whether it was being sent down or just designated free agency. Like I, I mean, I think this was more of I'm I'm not going all in on Karinchek. This is all his fault. I'm gonna put some of the blame on Tito because I think the mismanagement was fucking horrendous. I'm with you. It was bad. I I, I don't get why. You would go out there and pitch him in some of the scenarios that you did. Why were you trying to force him to be a setup pitcher when he clearly could not do it for most of the season? It was abysmal. Abysmal by Tito in that sense. But in the same thing, like he's got to be more consistent, period. You can't be a guy where you have only certain scenarios that you can be put into. And I'm not just saying, like, oh, like a certain inning or anything like that. It had to be, like, no one on base, start of the inning, nothing. Like, you have a decent lead, so then, you know, you don't, like, he doesn't blow it up or anything like that. When, you have, when you're a pitcher like that, that just ain't going to fly in the MLB. Batters will find a way to light you up. And you can't just constantly be, especially, too, with the bats. Like, we're inconsistent with the bats. I know we're picking it up a little bit more now. But the thing is, like, if you have, like, such inconsistency with our hitting, you can't have a pitcher that is inconsistent and only could be put in these very short spots. And I just think that overall, like, the mismanagement of him and then him just not being consistent at all is just, it, it, it was bound to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, he... He pitched himself into a grave, too. Like, there was mismanagement, but again, you have to be better if you're Karen Check. Like, it's just not going to cut it at all. And initially, and here's probably where we disagreed, I was sitting there thinking, why are we sending him down to call up Tim Heron? Like, and I don't even think Heron's been that bad, but it's just like, is he that much better than Karen Check? But now with activating Cody Morris, I'm going back on my word. I'm all for Morris. I think Morris is 10 times the pitcher that James Karinchek is right now. But I also don't think sending down Karinchek solves the bullpen issue. Like, like Morris is not going to be the immediate fix and going to all of a sudden make these guys good. Because overall, you take a look at the ERAs, they're fine. You know, it's, they look good on the paper, but it's like situationally they're awful. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you said that on Tuesday where we did streaks talking sports. Like, you did not agree with Tim Heron coming up, but the thing is, like, I that was not the point of it whatsoever. It was just to get Karen checked down. And when you bring a guy down, you have to bring a guy up, kind of thing. That's literally what I thought of. I didn't care. They could have brought up like my grandma for all I fucking care at that point. They're just bringing up a new body just to fill in that role. Because the thing is, I guess I mean you want to try to bring in Karen check to try to 
figure it out down there maybe and get his confidence back in a rhythm maybe. But other than that, I mean, you know, I at this point, like, you're going to probably, if you can't figure it out down there, we said this earlier, like, he's gone. There's You can't just keep wasting your time with this guy. And maybe if he does pick it up, you bring him up eventually if we start to see some more struggles with the bullpen. But other thing is it's just like, I mean, yeah, you're right. You, you can't, your bullpen is just awful right now. And you don't have anyone to really turn to other than Kase. And even then, like we've talked about it too, it's it's it's, it's sketchy with him sometimes. So I just, that's going to be a thing where like if you're still in contention by like, you know, the trade deadline, right now you're three three and a half games back. But like if you're still in contention, like maybe you do have to make a move for a bullpen piece at that point. And I mean, we've done it before. We got Andrew Miller. And he stuck with us too. It wasn't like it was a rental or anything like that. But like moving forward, if we're going to be shoppers at the trade deadline, that's going to be your big piece. I know we always talk about the bats and stuff, but that it, it. I mean, this is the underrated one where it's just like no one's talking about it. Yeah, and I'll tell you the one issue I have too. I wasn't a big fan on calling Tim Heron up just because I think he struggled, and I don't think he's a bad pitcher. Again, I think he's gotten lit up one or two times this year, and that's really what's inflated his ERA overall. But, like, why are you wasting an option? Like, I think you don't need to get called up to the majors one more time before the next time you send him down. It's You, you have to DFA him. No, you do. Like, I, I think that's his last option up is the next time he gets called. So, I, I don't know what you're doing there. You could have just waited for Morris to come off of the I.L., which you literally did after one start for Heron, and then figured out then because he had to be activated off of the 60-day injured list, which means that you're carrying an extra guy on your 40-man. You have to get rid of one, and it's not like they got rid of Heron. They DFA'd Richie Palacios. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the logic behind that one and why they went with Heron. Maybe to see if they had something out of it, kind of thing. And I mean, but like he did decent, and then you know doesn't even matter anymore. Also, he's a lefty arm out of the pen. You know how many lefty arms are in our pen right now? We only have one other one, right? One. Yeah. It's Sam Hench's, and that's it. Yeah. Everybody else is a righty. Once again, this is an issue. It's an issue. I mean, we're probably going to talk about it a little later, just like the like just hand like left right handed battles and stuff like that. But like even then, like you still need to like in certain scenarios, like if you're facing a like a, a righty dominant team, like. You know, obviously it makes sense to go with the righty, but like a lefty dominant team, it's pretty hard because, I mean, again, like I'll say it, um, I'm left-handed. I was a switch hitter for the longest time uh, until like my junior year of high school. I ended up stopping, but like I ended up switching over to the left, sticking with that one. The thing is like I fucking hated like facing left-handed batters. That's just like it was my, I mean, left-handed hitters. I mean, pitchers, man, I am like Wow, double error, double error. Woof. Um, but like, I just like, it was one of those things where it's just, I'm so used to facing right-handed batters. So like getting a guy in there when there's a lefty lineup, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just get a lefty arm in there. And like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's something that they got to address at some point if they're going to like be serious about this. And I, I'm not all for, and we'll get into this later, of course, as you said, but like, I'm not all it has to be lefty righty matchup, but for the most part that's true. It, like in the major leagues, lefties typically hit better off of righties. 
And we also only have one lefty starter in Logan T. Allen. Right. So teams can pretty much just load up their entire lineup with lefties and feel confident for the whole game. That's, that's they're, a, they're never going to have to run into an issue. Right. That's the thing. Like It's more of a general thing. It's not like I don't like it in scenarios. That's my problem that I have. I think coaches overemphasize that. I think it's more of just if you have a hot bat, leave them in there. If they're struggling, take them out kind of thing. But the thing is, like, I mean, you got to like, I, I think at least address that and get some other lefties in there. At least Hench's like plays. Because if it was a dude that just like is in the bullpen, rarely gets time and shit, like, okay, that then it gets even more like, what the fuck are we doing kind of thing. But I mean, I don't know. I still think that a lot of that is just I I, don't, I just don't know the direction right now. What we're doing with the bullpen and just the team itself. Yeah, I, I as a bullpen, you need at least two lefty arms, probably three. Yeah, like, that's where it is in my mind, and I just don't you know. You need diversity in your bullpen. Because especially even like lefty righties and then speed, you know, crafty guys, you need a good healthy balance of all of that. And clearly, right now, that they they just don't have any type of balance whatsoever. Again, I think they have a really good bullpen in terms of names and guys who produce. It's just like when the lights are shining the brightest, when you need to call on your bullpen the most, that's where they like drop the ball. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it, I mean, stats only tell a certain story you know it's it yeah there's there's no stat for you know clutch scenarios for pitchers and this is how good you are when the game actually matters and when the moment's the biggest right it's 50 percent. i always say this like even with like when i do the scouting and stuff like that 50 percent of it is stats but then 50 percent of it is just the film itself and like the film doesn't lie as well and the thing is like if you watch the games you'll know that like this bullpen does not do well in scenarios where they need him to really step up. It seems like the games where they pitch well in it's the the five to nothings or the zero to fives, you know, just like, the irrelevant games. Yes, yeah, it, like it matters. You can't give up five runs, but like if you gave up one or two, okay, yeah. Like I, I mean, like it's either you know five to two or seven to nothing, which is whatever. Yeah, I mean, which at that point you're like that's what you're supposed to do, but you're also so, so supposed to go out there and pitch in those tough scenarios and get a team out of there. And, and right now, I, the toughest part is there's just no consistency right no. now, aside from, you know, Classe is going to come into close too often, but he's going to come into close. And other than that, you don't even know what your lead up is right now. We're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, and when you're rolling into, I mean, we're in the middle of June now. Crazy. We're, we're I know, it's, it's crazy to think that summer's blowing by right now. But the thing is, like, this is a thing where – Okay, if it was in April, May, and you're still trying to figure it out, I get it. June, mm, maybe early, you know, you're probably thinking like, okay, at least you have one guy. We don't even have a guy in consideration right now. Our guy that we thought it was going to be is in AAA now. Like, that's a huge question mark, and it's pretty scary for a team that I guess is trying to contend I, I just I don't even know like I I don't know what to think like I, there's no like like what are we doing yeah I, I, I say I mean, it every week but it's just like we just have no like end goal it feels like no it, it absolutely does not it just the bullpen's such a mess dude there's there's no way to go about it no I I think the only thing you can do right now is hope that Karen Check takes some time in AAA hopefully not too too long couple weeks maybe. 
really figures out his stuff, gets a little more confidence built back up, and then comes back out. Because as much as we harp on James Karinchek, when he's good, he's the most electric pitcher in baseball. Oh my gosh, he brings like, such a good energy to the game. I'm all for it, getting all pumped and stuff like that. But there's like, nobody else I want on the mound when he's on. Right. Like, when he's at his best, just in terms of actually just being a good pitcher, and then the energy that he brings, he's the best that it's there electric. could possibly be. It's electric. I mean, like, I mean, I loved it. Eighth inning, shuts the door. And then you have Classe coming in, and the fans are just going crazy. Yeah, I love that energy. But the thing is, like, I don't like it when my pitcher is, oh, he may not get this save or this put out or whatever, you know. I just don't – I can't hold. That's what I was going for. Um, I don't know. I just – right now he's got to figure it out in AAA. That's the, that's the key. And, I mean, but the only thing is, like, at some point you got to be like – how much is he going to be able to change? Yeah, it, it, you're just going to have to wait and see. You know, I don't. But it happened last year too, and he came back and he looked really good. And you know, he's had these stints and stuff like that. But it's a, at some point you got to be like, listen, like, okay, what do you like? You can't start every season in AAA. You can't like, do that and just go through. And I, where you have stints where you have to be there. And I really think the pitch clock is messing with him too because he's a guy that does like to kind of take his time. And go out. You can even see it. Like he's been, he's gotten already so many balls called on him just because he's not ready. And he, and it's probably one of those things where you just feel frazzled and you're just like, okay, I got to go onto the mound. I got to do it. Blah, 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 blah. And then just because he's already going a million miles an hour. So, and it was an adjustment for like me in college because the thing is, like, when I went to high school to college, there wasn't, a, there, there's not like a pitch clock or anything like that, right? I don't believe so or anything. But the, the thing is, like, I, I just, with us, we had our. It was seven seconds. You had seven seconds to get back onto the mound and make that pitch, and it was very effective once the pitchers got used to it because the batters kind of got into this like they got thrown out of rhythm, and it took me a while to adjust to that. And it's probably going to be the same thing for him because eventually I did get it down and it worked out. I was used to it then, by especially in my sophomore year. But like it was just like. One of those things where it's 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 an adjustment, and you know I I don't think many people are talking about that with him either. You know I've heard a couple things here and there, but like it's it's a thing that you got to look out for. Yeah, and but it's been long enough in this season to the point where you you can't just be like he's still figuring it out. You know? No, I agree. I it's June. He's got to have it done. He's got to figure it out at some point. Like I can't sit around and wait for a guy just because he likes to you know dilly dally on the mound. Right. No, it, you have to be effective. You're getting the, the pitch clock. It makes the game go faster, but you still get 18 seconds between pitches. Yeah, I it, agree. it's not crazy. It's not like you have to it immediately jump harder, on the mound. Yeah, it was he. It was harder at here. Yeah, and it was. And you know what? It was really effective for our pitchers because once they got it down, like they actually like it worked. Like I mean, as a batter, the first couple of times of doing it, I was just like so out of place. Yeah. What I mean, you have no time to think. And the thing is, like, the pace of play, it's it's going to stay. Like, I hope people realize that, like, this ain't going to go away. Even as a baseball fan, and, I, like, I enjoyed my three, three-and-a-half-hour games sometimes. I kind of like it. I like it way better. I save more money. I don't have to, like, get more food, you know? And I, I'm I'm there. I look at the score some of the times, and I'm just like, oh, my God, we're already in the fifth inning. Yeah. I, and there's nothing worse than sitting there and a guy struggling and he's taking 30, 40 seconds to pitch a ball. I agree. Uh, like, I, I lose interest. Mm-hmm. And I'm a guy who I think has, like, pretty good 
patience and I enjoy I can sit there and sit through like long inning stuff like that. It doesn't bother me. But even I start to lose interest when we're stepping off the mound six times. We're, you know, taking forty seconds between each pitch. It's like, my God, how long is this at back gonna be? I mean, dude, I've played it all my life and like even I get to the point where it's just like can we go? Like this is this is ridiculous, you know. And now that it's finally there, it's like it, it's you know I didn't like it at first, but like it wasn't that bad of an adjustment. And it was mainly because I was already kind of doing it already here. So I was yeah. just like, oh well, you know. You you cut out the BS. Yeah. That's what you cut out. You cut out guys fixing their gloves between every pitch. You cut out guys, you know, holding their hand up, getting ready to get into the no, box, and taking their sweet time. And I think there's some – I'm going to get really off topic for, like, one second, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to give a shit ton of credit to Rob Manford. I'm just – like, I think he did this one well, at least. But, like, other things, like, he's he's done a shit job. You know, overall, you know, it's I'm not going to say, like, oh, this one, you know, saved him or anything like that. Like, no, there's so many underlying issues right now in the MLB that we've talked about before that I won't get into. We could probably make a whole episode out of it. But the only thing is, like, I mean, I just don't want to give him that credit. Yeah, definitely not. So, one final time, we say to James Karinchek, welcome to Columbus. And unfortunately for Tim Heron, one more time for you as well. Welcome to Columbus. We'll see ya. Back down to AAA. But let's get into the guards as of recent right now. So, going back into our last episode, everything that's happened since, uh, wrapped up the series with Boston, you take that game 10-3, to you take two out of three from the Astros at home, an extra inning win that was an instant classic. Yeah. Uh, you lose six to four, close game. Like to see him put up four more runs. It's great in a loss right there. I, you never like to lose, but it's a good sign. And then a five to nothing win to close out the series. And now you're on the road against the Padres. Opening game, six to three loss. I mean, Bybee just didn't have his best stuff. We'll kind of get into him a little bit later. But. The most recent game is what we need to talk about. Game two looked like the Guardians of old, and you lose five to nothing. Before we get into where I'm going to explode, we'll talk about Savali for a quick second. He threw 95 pitches in three and two thirds. He walked four batters. I don't want to like hit the panic button at all because he's looked good since he came back. I think it's just a guy's ineffective for a start, and he just didn't have his stuff that day. Like his breaking ball didn't seem that great either. I don't like, I think, I mean, I know we're already going to, it's going to kind of lead into it, but like, that's like really piss poor management. When your pitcher is throwing 95 pitches and can't even get out of the, like the fourth inning. Yeah. I Like, I don't know. Okay. I get it. If he's like in the fifth makes a little sense, but like, even then, like that's still really inefficient. If he's throwing 95 pitches, I'd hope that he's in the sixth or seventh inning. I mean, I don't know, you, I, that's just crazy to, like, even, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Like, I, I don't know why you would just continue to stick him out there. Well, I think it's because, in a sense, he was not getting shelled, right? I think he only gave up two runs, maybe three. I think it was two. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you just can't, like, leave him out there for the, if he's, if you are throwing 95 pitches and you're in the 90-plus range in the fourth inning, it's not a good start. No, obviously not. So why would you go out there and just keep beating him up and throwing him out there? And he just came off of an injury. I know it wasn't like a – but we've talked about it before. Like his injuries, it's one of those lingering things where it's just like 
I don't know how I feel about it. Were you trying to get to a certain pitch count? But like, yeah, obliques are. T- I think a lot of it though is like bullpen management, which we've talked about kind of how bad he's been with it. But I actually agree with it in this sense. You I have don't. you have to let your starter kind of eat up at least a little bit of innings. Like you can't go to a whole bullpen game, especially when you're playing a one-two run game every night, and you have to use them. Like you can't go and use seven guys and have nobody for the next day. Because if you go out day two, your starter starter gets shelled. You got to leave him in now. I'm just worried in the sense of like we're banking on him to be here late in the season, and you're throwing 95 pitches in this what second? It's the second start, right? Since the injury or third? Third. Third. I I just don't know how I really feel about that. I think that was just really it's a weird scenario. You usually don't see it happen. But it's usually because you yank him at that point. And that's the thing. Like, he doesn't have that much trust in the bullpen either. So, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You're already going to get boned over in each way that you look at it. But, I don't know. I think it was just it, it was just not good all around. Yeah, he put himself into bad scenarios and kind of got out of it. I don't know. It, it, you obviously don't want to see it out of a starter. No, but obviously not. It, I don't know. At some point, you just got to let a guy kind of try to figure it out. And he was really not able to do that and Tito kind of talked about it he just didn't really look like he was effective uh Savali said the exact same thing I just wasn't as effective as I wanted to be you know you you have bad days it happens yeah I mean I'm not like blaming the I'm not no saying like you know Savali send him down or anything like that no by all means no I'm I'm not hitting the panic button either I'm just saying like I think it's a little bit of mismanagement and I I understand that there's going to be little bumps in the road like this because I mean when he's since he's come back he's not been terrible by all means no he's so, been, I mean he looked good in his first two starts yeah. like really good so so and it, this it's a 162 games there's going to be hiccups with the starting pitcher here and there it's just that's how it goes yeah so and like we said this is a hiccup where he only gives up two three runs yeah he didn't pitch very long but he also didn't get like murdered because of it, it right it, it's a time where you talk about guys not having their best stuff but you still kind of find a way to get your, you know, get through it. Just get it done. Sort of at that point. <laughs> yeah. I Like, as long as you can, right? Right. Like, you just don't have your stuff, and you make the best of it. And, you know, it wasn't great, but it also, like, he didn't put us in a spot where the game was unreachable. No. I'll I tell you who put us past, in a spot. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who put us in a spot in a game here that was unreachable. Go, baby. Tito Francona put us in a spot where the game is unreachable. What are we doing? Let's just start right where I have the major problem. Seventh inning rolls around, Miles Straw at the dish with the bases loaded against a right-handed pitcher. Miles Straw has not looked good this season, and you don't give him a pinch hitter. Like The biggest moment of the game where you could literally flip it on its head and have a chance, he was bad last night, which is the game we're talking about again, recording this on Thursday. Like He was just downright bad in the game, and he's been bad all season. He hasn't been good. And this is what really irks me, man. After the game, you they sit down, they interview Tito. I can't remember exactly the reporter who asked it, but I know he's a guy that's around all the time and like not afraid to ask kind of a, the a question. Yeah. yeah. Like a question that some people think, oh, that was kind of stupid, but it, like it's a pretty good one. Yeah. He asked him why they didn't pinch it for Shaw, just straight up asked him. And Tito says, oh, well, I don't have any lefties on my bench. Okay, true, because he's going for the you know lefty-righty matchup there in the seventh. But hey, guess what? 
reverse splits exist. Yeah. Like, there are guys who hit righties better. And you want to know what the problem is? Two of those guys are sitting on your bench. Yeah. Gabriel Arias hitting 288 off righties. Tyler Freeman hitting 313 off righties. You know what Straw's hitting? Uh, shit. 227. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what to... To put it in perspective, the score at the time, I believe, was 4 nothing. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it's bases loaded. I... Here's... And that's, this is why I was wanted to hold off a little bit on just, like, the lefty-righty battles and stuff like that. I don't agree with it when you are favoring it heavily in the heat of a game. It is supposed to be a moment where you trust in a guy... That can just get the job done, period. No matter what. Like, and we've seen countless times, and we've talked about it countless times. Miles Straw is not it this year. He is supposed to be an average guy, and he's not hitting for fucking average this year. So the thing is, you look at it, it's a horrible move. Horrible move to not go and just try someone else. He's also been bad with runners in scoring position. That's the other thing. And the other thing is, too, like, you're trying to—you don't want an average guy in that spot. You don't want want a guy that's just, like, a little—you want someone that's going to have some pop, get it into the outfield. I mean, if it's even a flyout, you at least get one in that scenario, you know? That's how at least I look at it because, I mean— I I think there were two outs, but— Either either, either way, way. Like, either way, I, you need something. You're down four nothing. You need. You're not going to chip away or anything like that, especially with two outs. Then you need the big pop. And I just don't agree with it in general. Like you can't. I'm not even mad about an average guy there. You just. But he's got to be hitting for average. He's got to be a guy that can actually hit the fucking ball, and he's just not hitting the ball right now. And it, it's. I just don't know what was really going through his mind at that point. You gotta. You got to make a move. Especially if you can flip that game. Because here's the thing. You've done it before. Like, we've seen it. They chip away a little bit. And I know I just, I'm a little bit of contradiction there. But you have seen moments where they do chip away. But like you said, like, you need at least a guy that can hit the hit the ball. Yeah, like, you have to get a guy who's going to put the ball at into least play and get it on it down. put it in play. That's what I'm trying to say. And, like, he's he just doesn't. you you got to give yourself a fighting chance. And you don't. And this is a problem of Tito just not knowing his players. Like, there, there's something to be said about old-school managers, because don't get me wrong, Tito Francona, a guy who year after year, I'm going to support him to death because he's gotten it done. Love him to death. Don't get me wrong. They're the same boat, dude. But but there's also a time where you just look and you're like, okay, adapt, man. Like, And this isn't even like looking into advanced statistics. Like, this is just knowing what your guys can hit from either side of the plate. Because this is a scenario where you should look into your thing and be like, oh, Tyler Freeman hits 313 against righties, and Straw's just not getting it done today, I can't be that mad. Or if you want to talk in the outfield, you can go Arias in that scenario. And then just slide Brennan over to center. Exactly. And you know what really gets me? Here it is. This is what really, really irks Speaking me. Speaking of Brennan. Roll back around to the top of the eighth. You pinch hit for Will Brennan? Yeah. Because it's a lefty-lefty matchup? And okay, you know what, Brennan, not that good against lefties. I'll admit it. He's hitting 188 off him this season. And I'm throwing a lot of statistics out here, but I promise like, these are important statistics right. to note, especially in the managerial standing that we're talking about right now. But, like, there's just 
what are we doing? Brennan is a guy who's been playing so well to the point where I'm sitting here thinking this guy should have absolutely every day at bats where to the point where I don't care who you're facing, I'm letting you swing the bat. But we're going to go on and pinch hit for him. Okay, whatever. If you think it's a scenario where you need you know a better matchup against the lefty, you know who you go to? You go to Gabriel Arias. Hello, do you know your players? Arias is hitting 104 against lefties. The dude can't touch him. And you know what? It kind of worked out. He walked. But, like, it, from a you know pen and paper standpoint, that is awful. Like, you're actually better off with Brennan in that scenario. The thing is, like, it's one of those things where if he gets on, he looks like, you know, the best manager, smart, out, you know, outsmarted the other team kind of thing. But if he gets out, like, he looks like a fucking idiot. I don't even think he looked at it. He walked. Like, that's what I'm saying. He, like, he kind of got lucky, right? He, he just got lucky in that scenario. Where he, I mean, if he did hit a home run in that, it's going to be like, all right, hats off. Maybe he knew something that we didn't. But the thing is, like, the emphasis, and Tito's done that before, where he heavily emphasizes, like, certain matchups depending on, you know, what type of, if it's a lefty or righty up there. We've seen that in the past. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. And the thing is, like, that is such a boomer ball thing. And I, 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 you will hear this from me so many times. I hate boomer baseball. Because the thing is, like, they just don't understand. Like, it is such a thing where it's like the, the league is shifting into a new era. It's a statistical time that we're talking about, and they pan out. They pan out from yes, and and again, like I'm not all into statistics, right? I, I think they have to be used, you right. know, in conjunction with your eyeballs, but right. they're, they're important. But even then, like, it just didn't even make any sense. He's one of your hottest hitters right now, except for maybe Naylor, and you're subbing him out, right? Like I, I, I just, I don't, just get don't. It, it doesn't. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's it's such a thing where he's going to be like, oh well, okay, well. I, I don't know if he'll actually say this or not, but, I mean, he he could be like, oh, you know, well, I'm leaning into the statistics and stuff like that. Well, this is what the statistics say. And it's just like, no, dude, like that's – you're using statistics wrong in that sense if you're going to look at it like that. You, you just – at some point, the eye test has to be, all right, he just had a walk-off last weekend. Like, I, I mean, like the dude has been coming around. And you yeah, finally I mean, he is on fire. You yeah, you're finally finding someone to fill in that right field role for this year. And now like you're gonna just go and sub them out? Like, no, you're just gonna create more chaos. It was a horrible move. Horrible move. Because you just you're you're unnecessary chaos. That's what's happening. And you're causing it. Because now you're diminishing. Now you're thinking. Because I'm. I've been in that scenario when I've been subbed out for a guy that should be hotter at the plate, and they need a clutch hit or something like that. It fucking hurts, because it just goes to show you your coach doesn't trust in you in that scenario, and that gets into your head. And I just. I. I think you're. You're playing with not just Brennan, but all of those guys. We've said before how Ari's is, is like you have played so many mind games with that dude, switching up his position all the time, and it's just it's you're like slowly crippling the team as we speak. That's the problem. No, you absolutely are. I mean, like 
it's as much as a mental game as it is, you know, playing by the numbers and stuff. And again, how long are we going to wait before we start giving Brennan every day at batsman? Like, he, he should be in there no matter what. Because guess what? If you want him to be the everyday right fielder, which I think is currently the plan, it f- sure feels like it, he's going to have to hit off of lefties, man. You can't just sub him out every time. No. That's and it. you know, you don't get better off of hitting against lefties if you never hit off of lefties. Exactly. I just don't think that, like, I the process that he's going through right now in his head is just not correct whatsoever. That's the problem. No, and, and I will say, like, I also have a problem with Boomer Baseball overall, but, like, to a degree I get, you know, lefty-righty matchup, that kind of thing. Again, yeah, like I said, like, it's it's good when you're looking at it from, like, a bird's-eye view and where it's like, all right, these guys, it's heavy lefty lineup, Makes more sense if we go with the lefty today, or you know, it's 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 a righty righty dominant lineup. I get it, but even then, like like I I said this before, like most of the guys that are right-handed hitters that I've played with, they're so used to just seeing right-handed pitchers that they even prefer it now because it's just and I get it, like because you know it, when you see a lefty and you're a righty batter, it's gonna break into you. It's a lot easier and stuff. I get that, but it's more of just like. There's not that many lefties to the point where you are just, they're used to just seeing these righties and they're more comfortable and they've adjusted knowing that, okay, they have to face that. Right. And I think guys at the biggest level, you know, definitely get more exposure to lefties than, say, like you and I would have. But yeah. at some point, like, there are guys, man. There are guys who just prefer to hit off righties. Like I said, Arius and Freeman seem to be like two of them. And it just comes down to not knowing your players. Like, the lefty-righty matchup is not always the winning recipe. And I I, I mean, dude, I've... When I was a switch hitter, part of the reason why it never, like, went through is because I lacked confidence from the right side. And that's the thing, like, I didn't even, like... I don't know. It was weird because I'm, I'm trying to... I always... That's why I... In my perspective of just, like, my sports takes and all of that, I try to relate my experience with sports to it so then it makes the most sense. And I don't want to take make outlandish takes or anything like that. So when I, when I look at it and I think about how I was a righty, I was at some point forced to even just bat right the whole game just so I could get used to it. And I faced righties. It wasn't, like, some, like, dramatic thing where it was just, like, Oh my gosh! Like I cannot hit a righty to save save my life or anything like that. Sometimes I even did better. So it's just like it, it, this. It overall, yes, you could sort of use it again from a bird's eye perspective. I, I think it's a good general rule to go off of. It's a general rule, but in scenarios, you cannot use it. You cannot just throw out these random statistics. At some point, you have to be like, "All right, dude, he's hot. Give him the AB. Let's see what happens." Even if you look at it from statistics, dude, like you have to look at the right statistic for the right moment. I agree. I definitely 100% agree with it. Like, if you're going to go to situational, you got to know what guys hit lefties and what guys hit righties. Exactly. And he showed today that he doesn't. Like, he doesn't know his own players on his own roster. I don't know. I think. Or yesterday. I, I shouldn't say today, but. We'll, we'll see how this all pans out with Tito. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not saying like yeah, I'm not know, calling like, for his head, right? No. I'm just saying like dude, like if you don't make the change now because this, that's the thing like what if like Tito was making the right calls and was making the correct decisions? Like 
Where would we be at as a team, do you think? I don't know if it's going to be substantially different. No, I don't I don't think you're looking at like, you know, a team that's got 50 wins right now or anything, but I, I think you're on the other side of 500 ball. You're on the other side of 500 ball, and then guess what? If you're on the other side of 500 ball... <laughs> you're in first in the division. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're neck and neck, because now you're three and a half games out, which is still crazy to think about. Insane. I mean, we're always at the three and a half mark, I feel like, every time we do an episode. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much have hovered there for the last, like, month. So, like, I just don't... I think it's more of, like, it's not, like... Again, like you said, it's not like we're going to win, like, 50 games. It's more of just a couple of decisions here and there that, like, change the outcome. And, like, that's important considering that we're in a shit division. Yeah. Every game counts in this division. It really does. It does. You can say that about every game in every division because it, you know, at the end of the day, that is, in a way, true. But more so in, in the AL Central where, you know... No teams are good. Right. Like, every game counts. You have to be pulling away the games. Exactly. If you're going to play near 500 ball, you need to be you know fighting to the death at every game. Exactly. And you need to be doing it right, and Tito's just not doing it right now. Yep. Hey. Enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. And, you know, I'm not done on him. Here we go. I'm not done, man. Here There's we go. one more instance where we're sitting in the ninth. Mike Zanino comes to the plate with a runner on first, and you let him swing the bat. The dude is hitting 177. And my God, if I have to talk about Mike Zanino one more time, please, Tito. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? How many times? I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I thought about it for a while last night and like could it was I thinking maybe this is like an ownership thing where it's just like hey we paid this dude we kind of want him to figure it out eventually maybe he does but at some point you gotta be like cut the shit I'm not even talking about him like in the ninth I'm saying like just playing in fucking general dude yeah like and I don't want to sit here and harp on Zanino this whole episode again because, like, I'm going to make this pretty quick. I've said what I had to say. From a manager's perspective right now, though, like, maybe it's not Tito. Maybe it's the higher-ups. I don't know. I talked about the Super 2 rule a couple episodes back and how, you know, teams will manipulate it basically so they don't have to pay a guy for a full year. Like, they can get an extra year out of his minor league contract if they don't call him up at the right time. If he doesn't play enough games in the majors – that's what happens. Like you, you consider the season a minor league season when contractually speaking. We're past that date for Naylor. Yeah, we're past it. Like that. That was June twelfth. We're recording this on June fifteenth, and maybe they're doing it for ticket sales. Maybe we're just waiting for the homestand. But I don't know, man. Like it, it feels like it's time. I, I I'm done with the Zanino. I don't know how the front office isn't done with Zanino. I don't know how Tito Francona's not done with Zanino. I I just. I really don't understand because it's it, it, 
again, if it was a scenario where we had nothing, even like if it was just Bo Naylor down the, yeah. down below, like I'd be like, okay, I get it a little bit. But like, I mean, Gallagher's looking a little bit better, but at least you get defensive production out of yeah, him. He looks pretty good defensively. Like I think the pitchers just are on a different level when he's back I agree. there. It's not anything that I can measure statistically, at least uh, that I have on hand. But they just look better when he's back there. No, it, it, I think there. No, I, there is actually statistic. I, I think they're. I, the, I genuinely think they're better when he's back. It's it's um their ERA is a two seventy, I believe. Pitchers have an ERA of two seventy. That was on Sunday. It, it came up on the on the big board actually. There we go. Um, and my friend pointed it out because he's been a huge advocate of getting Mike Zanino out of there and at least putting Cam Gallagher because that's the thing. Like you get defense with Gallagher, and like I've been like dogging on him for a while too. But the thing is, like the six stolen bases, that was my tipping point. Yeah, no, it wasn't was bad. even like the batting average anymore. Where I'm just like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm, like I'm sick and tired of the stick and stuff like that. It's the defensive stuff, and I've been saying this from the beginning of the year. When you're seeing clips on Twitter of him just pass ball after pass ball, not getting the blocks down, it gets really discouraging. And now that you don't even have the stick and it's not coming around, like, dude, you gotta go. And the thing is, like. The other person too, Zach Collins, he's still tearing it up. I mean, like I, I, I don't know, like what you really trying to do here. Again, it's it's it like we're there's no end goal to any of this. Right. I thought you were waiting for the super two rule to come into effect, and that was it. Right. Like yeah. I I hate it, but it's what organizations are going to do, especially sense. not it, to pay guys. Is Well, and especially, too, you, if you could push arbitration back, which is the most bullshit thing ever in MLB. It's a mess. There's, in, in no other sport there is there an arbitration. Nope. Which is, again, I, I don't want to get off topic because I could go on for hours about how fucked up the MLB really is. Right. But the thing is, like, I just don't, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, Anytime it's, you can push that back, it's a good point, thing. Yeah, at, at anytime it's such a... But, like, I just don't know, like... I'm saying in general, like, there's no direction with us. Like, if if, I, if they go all in and say, like, hey, like, we want to get our prospects getting ready to go soon, like, we'll bring up a couple here and there and can this year, I'd be okay with it. Because then you're investing in the future and you have a direction. Or you flip it and say, like, hey, listen, like, we kind of want to go all out this year. You know, we could potentially win the division and then make a little run. At least at that point, I don't necessarily agree with it, but at that point you have a end goal. Because now you're looking at it, you're just kind of like stagnant. And you're not doing anything. You're in playing any the in between direction. game right now. You're, you're playing you're, the in between game. I mean it's and it's like an NFL NFL franchises where it's just like, okay, you're gonna tank or are you going to try to win a Super Bowl? Like it, it, there's and there's teams where they just play the in between game. And it makes no sense. And granted, you can't take in baseball, but it's just like pick a side because at some point it's going to have to be in effect. Like you're going to either have to really go hard into the future, which I think they should start to try to do. And even then, like I don't even think that like if they try to go more like prospects, bring them up, get them involved more, I don't even think like we're going to just like dramatically fall out of contention. No. Because, again, it's just like we're, our division sucks so badly that, like, 
the next team behind us, I mean, the Chicago White Sox, like, they're 30 and 39. Yeah, it's bad. And they're five and a half games back. So it's not even, like, the only team that I'm, like, really, like, you know, like, oh, my God, is, like, the Royals, but they only have 18 wins this year. Either way, I'm just saying, like, I, I you got to, at some point, make a move in one direction. Yeah. Uh, I'm all with you. I mean, and at this point, I, I dude, I don't even know. Calling up your prospects, at least at the catcher position, might be giving you a better chance to win a World Series. Yeah. Like, it literally cannot get worse than Zanino right now. No, I, I agree. He, by the way, there's some statistics that I found that, you know, nothing crazy. It's just basically looking at game logs and yeah. easy stats. He's eight for his last 63. Okay, that's, that's right around the 120 mark. It's horrendous. What did you bring him into the lineup for, Dylan? Why did we go out and get him? For, like, hitting purposes. Yeah, he was a catcher that... Can actually... Yeah, because we never had an offensive catcher. Yeah, what was his main thing? What did he do? Uh, The long ball. You know the last time he hit a home run? Or, not the last time, but... You you want a little span stat? Let's hear it. Since April 29th, you know how many home runs he's hit? I don't know. April 29th, that's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. One. Oof. One. It was May 22nd. I was going to say, like, it's probably a low number. I do remember when he – I feel like I do remember when he hit that, actually. I think, think, like, Twitter was just like, oh, my God, he finally hit one. I think it was against the Cardinals, if I'm remembering off the top of my head. But I could absolutely be wrong. But still, like, one is not cutting it. It's just not doing it. And, like, we talked about it. Gallagher is looking a little bit better, even offensively. Yeah. His average still looks horrendous, and it's lower than Zanino's. But when he comes up to the plate now, I'm not thinking, ah, this is an automatic out. Yeah. Like, you know, am I thinking he's got a good shot to get a hit? No, absolutely not. But I'm not like, yep, chalk this one up. Like, yeah. no, he's, there's a chance. He's, he's come through now exactly. a few times. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm still not his biggest fan, but I, I definitely, like, if you want to keep him around, that's fine by me, especially what he brings defensively. No, I, I agree. I agree in that sense. But we'll, we'll move off the Zanino tear right now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably longer than I wanted it to be in the first place. Either way, it's still needed to get it off the chest kind of thing. Um, and I'm not going to, we're, you know, episodes running decently long right now, not like anything crazy, but, you know, we're getting up there and we still have a couple of things to hit, so we're going to just kind of roll through these really quick. We we talked about the Arius in Freeman scenario last time, how, like, when you're going to move, like, there's a log jam in the middle infield. You're going to have yeah. to move on. I think the play is to get rid of a Med Rosario. It, unfortunately, it's that time you try to package him in a deal. Do Which what you have to do. We agree. Like, I mean, at some point you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to move off of him. I don't know when, but like at some, it, it's going to be. I don't know. I'm still kind of like all over the place about it. Sorry, we just kind of got distracted there. At, um, we do film it in a. Can we just say the place? I guess we uh, can't say it. We're in an indis- un- undisclosed oh, place. Yeah, we're in an undisclosed studio. Yes, but there was a little kid walking by, and um, she put her she put her phone up, and it said like, "Is this a podcast?" She wrote it on like Snapchat. So, little little laugh there. But anyways, um, <laughs> again, it's off track. But the thing is with with Rosario, like you, I don't know. It's more of just like you 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 got to commit to some. It, it, we're going back to the thing where they're just not committing to one side. And if you 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 know he's lingering around and stuff, I get it. If you want to keep him, if you're gonna try to make that playoff run, but if on the other side, like if you're gonna move off of him, do it like soon and package him, like you said. Because the thing is, like if you just keep 
tampering around and just like leaving him in the lineup and he's still batting high. It like it just it makes it worse for the development of other guys. Yeah, I don't understand him hitting second still. I really don't. Like I, I feel like that should be a Brennan spot at this point, but that's a conversation for a different day. Right. But like I think you should move off uh Rosario and I honestly think they do at the deadline. I, I don't think they keep oh, yeah, him around. For sure. Uh and then I think, you know, I have said you put Freeman in that spot, see if he produces. If not, then you go to Arias next year. You disagree, you think you should go to Arias first. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't way. matter. Just try to go with someone else if you like you gotta go with someone else at some point. And the thing is like, you know, if we were talking about it, do you move off of him now or later? And I'm kind of starting to move into the sense of, like, maybe later. Because, like, I just don't know, like, how much production. I think you have to drop him in the order at some point. I think that's yeah, I the think first that should be key. done already. But. That, that needs to be the first thing. Because then, now it's not like, oh, my God, we just got rid of our second hitter in the lineup kind of thing. And it's more of like, hey, he wasn't producing. We dropped him. And then we're going to package him in a deal kind of thing. La-di-da-da-da. And then, because, I mean, most likely it would be probably in a Bieber deal. That's that's what yeah, the yeah. package would be like. So the thing is, like, I just think that they're really mismanaging all of that. They're, it, it's just a mismanagement of every aspect of the team right now. And my thing is, like, guys, Tito hasn't been perfect, and he hasn't been perfect for a little bit now. I, I'm going to throw some examples out here from last year. And, you know, maybe these aren't Tito Francona. Maybe they're not. They could be higher-ups. Right, it's absolutely a possibility. I'm not going to throw that out the window to the point where we're going to say no, no, no. This is Tito. Like it's possible. There's a few guys last year, and this is the point I'm trying to make with Freeman and Arias. If you don't give them their time, good transition, dude. Thank you, thank you. If you don't give them their time to like show what they have and give you know full reps, being in rhythm at a position, you you never know what you get out of a guy. Right. We we've talked about with Arias. He's all over the place. Like. How how is he supposed to settle in and get into a rhythm? And you can count on him. You, you can. just can't do it. Yeah, you, because he he has no flow in his game because he's in right field, then he's at third. Like it it doesn't matter. Then he's not playing sometimes. Like he's just all over the place. It right, makes and he's no a shortstop. Sense. He's yeah. a shortstop. And that's the thing. You're not playing him at shortstop either. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying this. But like, you take a look at some of the other guys that we had again last year. These are guys that the, I mean, we pretty much gave up with no contestant. Like we were just like, all right, bye. Like you're just yeah. not going to work, and they really didn't get a true opportunity. Nolan Jones, currently with the Rockies, hitting over 339. He wanted to play first base. You know what Tito said? No, no, we're we're good there. We have a guy. Who is that guy? A guy who now is no longer with the team. His name's Owen Miller. Owen Miller is not a first baseman. Owen Miller is a second baseman who is being forced to play first, who is an error machine. And you know what he's doing this year? Send him over to the Brew Crew. They let him play the middle infield, and he's hitting three hundred one. The thing is, like that's a, that's that's my problem, especially with the highly touted prospect that Nolan Jones was. I mean, at one point, wasn't he like number one in our system? I don't know if he was. Not, he was like he top was at, ten, he, top twenty at least. He was at least. I'm. I'm. I think he's top higher five, than, yeah. top ten. And you just never gave him a true opportunity, and like he was going to be good. He that told was you. the thing. Like he, you, we knew. He was going to be a bat. And then you just ship him off for Owen instead of, like, the fact that it was Owen Miller, too, that they were starting over, and now that he's not even with the team anymore, 
Right. Again, it was a double mismanagement all at once. Yeah. The thing is, I'm I'm all for platoon swaps and stuff like that, especially in a 162 game season. You need to kind of have a little bit of breaks here and there, and it's not going to totally affect your lineup. But it's more of like, okay, if you keep guys in the same spots and not move them around dramatically, that's where it's a lot easier and it's a lot better to do. But like when you're doing all these like just random things, like especially with Ari's, like. He hasn't even played the position that he was like brought into the league for. Like, that's a big problem. You got to figure that out. And it's not like okay, I I get it. If it was like Ramirez at third kind of thing, like makes sense. If he was a third baseman, yeah, all right, you can't yeah, obviously you, you can't start play him there. But the thing is, like, we don't even have production out of the guy that's at short right now. Right, and the thing is too, if you're gonna have a guy make the change at position. You can't just throw them all over the place. No, you got to be can't. like, uh, and you can. Okay, I won't lie, you can, but you can't count on him to be a piece of the future. Like he's a utility fill-in guy now. Even then, yeah, even then though, like, and, and you're not getting the best him that you're gonna get. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you can't do that. It, it you got to kind of assign one role to him and be like, okay, listen, it's different. Like, okay, I think your utility guys should be older guys, guys who've been in the league, been, been more there, done that. Yes. It can't be a like, guy that's just coming into the league right now. Right. That's and a big problem. That, that's the problem with Arias, right? Like, he's so young, he hasn't figured out anything for himself yet, and you're just like, okay, you're on right. Okay, you're at third. Okay, you're at short today. Now you're at second. Now you're at first. Yeah, like it makes no sense whatsoever. It's a mess. It, like, other guys, by the way, still not done. Not just oh, yeah. Jones. Keep, and, keep going. Let uh, it rip. And by the way, if you didn't know the situation with Jones, why he wanted to play first, initially a third baseman. Obviously, Jose's there. Make a lot of sense why he would want to go play first base for us. Well, we tried to play him in the outfield, and he said, "I'm not an outfielder. I can't. I'm not really that great in the outfield." And he's listed as an outfielder still. He can fill in there, but he's like, "That's not where I want to be." That's the thing. Like, yeah, some people can make the transition to an outfielder, but like, I like some of them. It's just like you you can't force that in them. It's hard. It's really hard to play the outfield. A lot of tracking. A lot of like you got to have a good arm and like people like undervalue the outfield because oh, yeah. they're just like oh just stick anyone out there. No, I, I always say when it's good, you're like oh you know it's, it's whatever routine. But when your outfield's bad defensively, it's like woof. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like if you can't force a guy to go out there because I mean uh, here here's the thing. I at one point I was a first baseman. I know crazy oh my gosh right well i mean it was gabriel arias at first well i was and it was younger when everyone was like basically the same height and stuff but like the thing is like i was a lefty so i had to eventually make the transition and i was fine with it like it because it was just i'm an an athlete you know i'm not a big kid where i'm not gonna you know just can't run period but like i'm you know it's fine for some people but for others it's just like dude you can't force that in them but and and nolan jones is athletic enough to play the outfield. I don't even think he's a bad outfielder. I think it just comes down to the point of, like, he's like, I'm not happy playing out here. Yeah, And there, there's I nothing agree. wrong with that. And he's like, listen, he literally went up to Tito. I remember the story, and he was like, listen, give me a shot. Just let me show you what I can do at first. And Tito was like, no. We, yeah. we're, we're good there. We got Naylor. We got Miller. Yep. And it's- Miller should not have been a, a roadblock to Jones. And I get maybe Naylor. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can move the guys right. around. I mean, it's what we're doing with Bell and Naylor this year, right? Like, you play first but or you DH. But that's the thing. You can DH one, and then you can, you know, it, it flip-flop them easily. Right. And, and, now and you, that's what you were doing with Miller, but it just, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't that great. He wasn't doing it. And that's the thing. Like, And then, 
to and double, he's not a first baseman. And the and the thing is, you double down then, and then you go and sign a free agent in Josh Bell, and you waste more money. Yeah. And you don't go with stick with the prospect that you trust in, and which Nolan you should Jones be your sister. Is playing better. Yep. Exactly. Crazy about that. Which, uh, do you know by any chance? Just random question. Do you know his like long ball numbers? Jones, no, I know he's he is playing in limited at bats. Like this isn't like a tiny sample size, but I think he's got like sixty some at bats on the year. Okay, he, he kind of fill. He's not an everyday guy for them. I think eventually he will be. Yeah, oh, he absolutely will. Like th- they see him as MLB sort of ready, but they're taking their time with him. Yeah, no, which is fine because I mean, he especially still, with that team, like they're not going st- anywhere. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like especially you don't. Again, we've talked about it so many times where you just don't want to rush a guy out there when he's not ready. And I mean. If again that that team's really young and promising too, that's the other thing. So like it makes sense where it's just like don't rush him. Oh wow, he's actually not young. No, he's, he's a little bit older. He's twenty five. Yeah, I mean it's still not old. Like a lot of guys are making. That I'm just saying more of like I, I was thinking like twenty three. No, no, he's a little bit older. He's been in the system for a little bit, but like yeah, twenty five so, still isn't old. No, that's where a lot of guys make their debut right around that age. Right, I agree. I'm just saying like the highly touted ones are usually like twenty three, twenty two kind of range. But like he, you know. he got injured a little bit while he's in minor leagues. He, yeah. he had some setbacks, but no, I agree. Yeah, again, he still looks really good. Uh, other names, by the way, that we were mentioning, Will Benson is with the Cincinnati Reds right now. The average isn't all there; it's two twenty seven. But like he's stepping into his own, and the Reds are starting to like him a lot. Now, would he be on this team playing? I don't know, but also a guy that just really didn't get a fair shot to show what he can do. Uh, Alex Young might not be a name that everybody remembers. He's a bullpen guy. Basically got you know a couple opportunities with us and just nothing more. He's under a three ERA and one of the primary bullpen arms for the Cincinnati Reds this year. Right. And the last name of a guy who we didn't really give a shot last year, Alex Call. He's hitting two twelve. Like, don't get me wrong, this isn't great. But Wait, like, what was it again? Alex Call. Okay. Sorry. I... Uh, yeah, he played the outfield for a few games. Then he got DFA'd. Nationals picked him up. Yeah. He's still there. They do like him. They think he's coming into his own. They think he just has a little bit more room. Yeah. Like, he, he needs some time to grow. No, I, I I agree. So, I mean, we'll see. Like, maybe he's nothing. Again, he's hitting 212 on this year. Like, I'm, I'm not stunned by him by any means. But yeah. It, it's a guy that another organization has, like, pretty good amount of confidence in. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's just more of showing that, like, you're not trusting in the young guys like you've done in the past. And it's showing. Yeah. You know? And if you're gonna go and play the money, like the money game, and you're gonna sign like big free agents, go all in on it. Yeah. Y- y- there's no consequences whatsoever because, like, I mean, there's no salary cap, sign anything. But like, I, granted, I know they don't have the money and stuff like that, blah blah blah. But like, I'm just saying, like, try to like, don't just be like, oh, we're gonna sign one big guy and stuff like that. Like, no, like, pick one side, develop a guy that's going to be the big guy, like a Jose Ramirez, or go and sign him. You know, yeah, I, I have no problem with developing guys during a World Series run. By the way, like, no, I agree. I agree. As long as you don't overload it and just go like a ton of rookies, you're fine. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think there needs to be a healthy balance, but the, we don't have a healthy balance whatsoever. The, the Reds are the example right now. Not that I think they're World Series contenders by any means. They're not. But the thing is, they're going to be in a couple years. Like if they can continue this track, and they're playing good this year. Yes, with a lot of rookies. Like. They're veteran in the clubhouse right now with Votto, you know, coming off an injury in AAA. Jonathan India, like, he's a three-year vet. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I've watched him since his Florida days. Yeah. Dude's a dog. I'm just, like, I— No, he is. Absolutely. 
And, like, the thing is, like, people were like, oh, like, what's going to happen when they bring up Cruz and stuff like that? And then, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think that, like, it, at some point you you got to decide where you're going to go with this direction. And the Reds, they went in. They said, let's develop these young guys. We're going to be probably shit for a couple of years, but we don't care. But in a few years, we'll be really good. And that's the thing. Like, they're going to be a sleeper moving forward, like you said earlier. And then next year, like – they could put it all together kind of thing. And how about a team that's not afraid to, you know, challenge their guys who have been there? Like, you can challenge Rosario and give them a little bit of competition and actually play those guys. Like, they had India who's playing out of his mind. McLean comes up, plays out of his mind, and they go, okay, Ellie, your turn. We're just going to move you guys around until things fit. And, yeah. like, you're going to figure it out. And that's what they're doing. Uh, it's it's a good recipe, I think, when you have good offensive pieces. And yeah, maybe the guards should look into it. Probably. Uh, I want to make this next segment really quick, pretty much like a one question. I'm going to lay it out for you. Tanner Bybee, and it hurts because, again, I say it's my guy. I don't claim players, but, you know, I did get to call him in Lake County, so I have, like, a little bit of Still a personal cool. attachment yeah. oh, to him. Oh, I agree, yeah. But he, he has started to struggle a little bit. Uh, you think back to June the 1st against Minnesota, he gave up three runs in five innings. Not abysmal, but not great. Uh he had a really good in-between start against Boston, gave up another five innings, just one run. But when he was in San Diego on Tuesday, rough, rough, rough. He called it downright horrible. He was like, there, there's no other way to explain it. His interview was actually pretty awful. Like, he's just a short answer guy. Yeah. Like, if you're looking for a clip out of him, you're not getting it. <laughs> but he gave up uh, six runs in four innings against San Diego. He had no control, which is, like, the main thing. Like, his early control, like, he walks guys early. He got into a really big problem. Uh, he gave up four runs in the first inning, one of them off a three-run shot to Gary Sanchez. And, and I guess what I'm asking here is, like, should I be worried? Um, I'd be worried I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. I think what gives me a little bit of confidence is the fact that he did give up only run, one run to uh, Boston. On a, on Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, the one that I'm looking at more of is this. Five innings, five innings, four innings. When you don't have much faith in your bullpen, you, you know he can get five out of your starter? That, that's the early control. He's working himself high into the pitch count and a lot of early walks, and he can't stay in the game as long. Like You're, you're going to protect your arms. You're not going to make a guy go out there and throw 130 pitches. Right, and like I'm not too concerned about three runs. It's not like anything where it's just like, oh my god, dude, no, like, the game's still playable. Fuck? Yeah, right? but like, okay, yeah, the six runs. That's that's yeah, that's where you draw. That's the, that's, that's where it's, the line. It, yeah, it's like okay, but like, it's more of just like you're not getting efficient innings out of him. And I, I mean, again, like if we had a bullpen that was lights out, like. I don't care who you throw in there. Like, I know he's going to get the job done no matter what situation it is. I'd be totally okay with this. Like, in years past, we've had that type of bullpen. But, like, I mean, now, like, if you're only getting four innings out of him, like, what's going to happen? Yeah. What are you, where, where are you going to move off to at that point? I, I mean, you do have Gavin Williams still. Like, I get what no, you're no, no, in the no, bullpen, right? Yeah, I'm saying, right. like, yeah, in, like, a mid-game, like, yeah, where where do you go in the bullpen? I mean, Gavin Williams is down there; he's waiting. Obviously, yeah. Uh, but I, I think I'm with. Like, I'm not. I'm a little worried. But again, like that in between start is very promising. Yeah. Of like, that's okay. why I'm like, all right. 
like, and he's a young guy. He's got to kind of figure it out, right? Right. That's the problem. It's not like, but it's the problem that we've been talking about. Like you're in that in between stage of like, do I let guys develop and kind of struggle, or do I have to play for the wins? And that's a question that gets start to brought in right now, where it's like, okay, he's going to have his ups and downs. Can you Can deal I afford with that? the downs? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they haven't given anything like of as a definitive answer of like, all right, yeah, we're going to lean into the prospects more of, and we're just going to develop these guys. I mean, you still got another thing is like Cal Quantro. Obviously, you know, still the injuries and stuff like that. Maybe when he comes back, I don't think you're going to bring up Gavin Williams this year at any. I don't point. think so either. But I, unless I, something like major happens where, where like you're down to four guys, like yeah, like a trade happens to the point where you're down to four starters, and it's just like, well, that's why we did it, right? Right. It's like okay, if Bieber gets hurt, or not Bieber, if Bieber gets traded, and then there's another injury that yeah, happens, injury or they pair that another guy with Bieber or something of that nature, but, then yeah, at that point, but. Like, you already kind of have six guys and one guy on the IL, where yeah. it's just like, just, you have five and then one on the IL, I'm saying six yeah. in general. So, like, I think you just kind of wait this one out. I think you give them a couple more starts, depending on, okay, I'll play, I'll play it from both sides. If you're going all in and you want to go and try to, you know, win this year, I'd give them two more starts. And if he starts to fade away, because what? He was um, Quantro 15-day, right? Uh, yeah, he's on the 15-day IL with uh, shoulder inflammation. So if that pans out, two more starts, I think at that point you're looking at it. If he's not, if he's still, like, if it's inconsistent, not getting a lot of innings out of him, you probably swap Cal Quantro in there. Yeah. But if you're going to be the other way, and you're going to lean into the younger guys, then you stick with them for the rest of the year, and you move off of Bieber, yep. no matter what. I, I'm for the the stick with him, and again, maybe a little bit of bias, but I think I'd be saying the same thing of Logan T. Allen right now. Yeah. Uh, I think these guys both just look really good and really promising, and you let them work out the kinks. Exactly. Uh, last question before we get into Friday draft. It's going to be a quick one, pretty much a yes or no, maybe a quick conversation, but uh, you still picking up the phone for Bieber? Yeah. No doubt yeah. about it. Still looking for a trade? Mm-hmm. Like, you're on board trading him right now? Yeah, I agree. Okay. thousand uh, percent. Yeah, we're on the same page. Uh, I don't think anything's changed. Bybee starting to struggle a little bit doesn't really change my mind. Again, I don't think this is a team where it's just like we're contending this year that much. I think we should probably lean more into our younger guys at this point. So, And I think Bieber, I don't know how much is left in the tank with him. Truthfully, like and I don't for think years get that much more. Out. Like he's going to be fine. He's going to pitch okay. But I don't think you have like Cy Young Bieber left in him no. or anything. It's going to kind of be like a Corey Kluber scenario kind of thing. Yeah, even Not I where think he has even, like a dramatic fall off like him. Yeah, but I'm I, just I saying, think you like, get more out of Bieber than like in a trade sense. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like where you just like you trade him at the right time. Yeah, and, you get some stuff back. Yeah, and especially too when we're lacking in other spots like. You got to do make the move at some point. Yeah, and that was the class A trade. That's where you go out and get him. So where you get your closer. Yeah, it worked out then. And Jerks and Profar. Yeah, Delino De Shields. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woo! That All right. Out. It's time. Here we go. It's time for Friday draft. Dylan, today we're drafting the worst let goes since the 2000s for the Cleveland Guardians. If you don't know what I'm talking about, perfect sense. Yeah, it, it's the guys that you let walk and. Uh, they go on somewhere else and have a great career. Like they could have a good career here, 
but it's like guys that you let go at the wrong time. Yeah. I think our last draft I went first, so we're yeah. gonna let you uh we're gonna let you kick it off and start things. Okay. My uh my first one Let's hear it. I'm gonna go with CC. Oh, not, I know even, it's a not little, the guy that was in my first, so I'm I'm happy. Little controversial there, um, but I mean, no he, matter, he made the list though. He made the list. The dude's a, was a dog, yeah. Like it, post Cleveland, I mean Cleveland and post Cleveland. Most people probably remember CC as a Yankee. Yeah, and that's that's the crazy thing. A lot of just MLB fans probably don't even remember how he was a Cleveland Indian at one point. So. Yep. I don't know. I think that it was. Um, I mean, he won a Cy Young here. Yeah, like, like I mean, that's a, that's the crazy part. But it's still, he was like dominant when we were, when he was with the Yankees as well, too. Oh, very. And so, I mean, I was kind of like, I don't know. I think that like you, it was kind of dumb for them to move off of him because the thing, like, I liked him growing up. I thought it was always cool seeing CC on the bump, and that one's kind of a. It's a little personal one. Seeing him let go, I mean, granted, I was pro- it was six years old, but still, like, I, I mean, I had the jersey, I had all the stuff, like, so it, it was more of like that one stung a little bit. Understandably so. I mean, he goes on to finish his top five in Cy Young four more times. Yep. While he's with the Yankees, he leads the MLB and wins twice, which wins an overvalued stat, and that probably due in part to the Yankees' offense, but he Does also pitched pretty bit, well. Yeah. So yeah, that one that one hurts, but. CC not a bad first pick. He he, he no. was towards the top of my list, but my number one guy, and I, I'm going to predate us a little bit, not on this guy's career, but on his time as a Cleveland Indian. Manny Ramirez. Yeah, he yeah. was he was my second one. Yeah, Manny is a guy who don't get me wrong. He played fine when he was here. He finished second in rookie of the year voting, multiple time All Star. I mean, near the top of the MVP race multiple times. I mean, finishing within the top ten three times another time within the top 15 but i mean when he left dude when he left we're talking about eight straight all-star appearances after he leaves we're talking about six more times he's in the top 10 for mvp voting and we're talking about six times silver slugger manny ramirez a guy who i personally and i know a lot of people around just baseball in general consider one of the best hitters that the game has probably ever seen dude was so electric like i Oh man, I loved his just the way he played. It was so much fun, and like the other thing too that you failed to mention, like he was a big part of that Red Sox team in two thousand and four. Yeah. Oh, he like I mean he was. I don't want to call him a big part. He was like the part pretty much, yeah, right? Like right. he was the guy. So that's like, you know, yeah that that one's like the big stinger especially too because i love that 95 and 97 team yeah like i love watched it i like the high obviously i didn't watch them right not live but, right live but like I, I still like watching highlights i was a huge kenny lofton fan you know it, it was a good time and the thing is like then he goes out there and just balls out even more when he when he moves off of us and i, I will say the one funny memory though when he like Dough for that ball that we yeah, yeah, like yeah, cut off the random about. one. Dude, I I love that clip too, and he was just overall too. Like you know, you mentioned all the accolades, but like he was just a fun guy in the league. That was that's the one takeaway that I have with him too. I loved watching him. He was a dog, had a pimp of a swing too. Yeah, Manny Ramirez, great pick. He was my number two. Well, so. now it's time for your number two. So. <sighs> 
We're only going three picks, by the way. This is this one's kind of funny. Let's hear it. Bartolo Colon. He was in my honorable mentions. Big Sexy, one of my favorite pitchers of all time. Dude, I fucking love Bartolo Colon. Like, this dude, for some reason, like, I I don't get why he was so good. I, and, like, that's not a shot at Bartolo. But, like, he was, like, really good for a long time. Not, like, really good, but, like, I mean. No, no, he was really good. He was really good. Um, I mean, he... I don't know really like what the, like dude the dude was so big too that's the other thing that's why I'm like trying to get my mind around it like I just don't know like I mean I think about like LeBron where it's yeah. just like his like just like he's a specimen he's a specimen and then you look at a guy like Bartolo Colon where it's just like whoa like what he wins the Cy Young in 2005 and he had that year he won 21 games which is I know you said stats don't matter but that's still pretty Pretty ridiculous. No, it means something. It's just yeah. it's, it was an overvalued stat a long time ago. I don't think it's valued the same now. But so he he still had a good career, and not, like I'll never forget too when he hit the home run. Yeah, that yeah. was the most. That was probably one of the top five. Like, oh, la vista. Yeah. Bartolo Colon. I was Bartolo Colon. I mean, the whole baseball world just rejoiced in that one thing. But like the dude just again, he was dominant and he was consistent for a long time too. And he was part of that '97 team. I, I love the dude to death. And, you know, that one sucked, too, like, because I never got to see him pitch for the Indians at any point. He left in 2002. Yeah. So, like I said, you made my honorable mentions. He was a guy that he didn't make my list just because I felt like he had a better career here than when he left. But he still had a good career after he left. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think I want a lot of sentimental value with this one. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Listen, it's our draft for a reason, right? We get to take what we want. I do whatever the fuck I want. Exactly. My number two guy, a, a name that I feel like a lot of people probably don't even realize was a Cleveland Indian, Brandon Phillips. Oh, he was on the list too. Yep, Brandon he Phillips. Above a, my next guy. He he was, I mean, second baseman, most notably known for playing with the Reds. He only played, I think, one year with Cleveland. He was a. I'm, I'm pretty sure he it played, was. He played a few years with Cleveland. Was it was a, just very limited. Yeah, he was a prospect that was like. You know, really highly. I want to. I don't know how he taught it, but like he was like up there in our ranks. No, he was definitely like. And then he kind of got shipped away. Didn't even get a chance to play with. Yeah, us. yeah. He was a second round pick. Like he was. Yeah, the dude was going to be good at some point. You knew it, kind of thing. And it was just he never got a chance with us. Right. He he was up here for four years, but in three of those years he didn't play more than eleven games. And the one he did play, one hundred twelve games, he batted like two hundred eight. But then. You, you trade him to the Reds, dude. And I mean, literally the second year he's with the team, he finishes top 25 in MVP voting. Like, yeah. Like, he's getting votes for MVP. Um, And then with Cincinnati, he's a four-time gold glove winner, three-time all-star, silver slugger, ends his career hitting 275 in the bigs. Like, Brandon Phillips is a name that I think, like, dang, like, that guy was, you know. He, I don't know if I, like, I'm not looking at him saying Hall of Famer, but I'm like, that's a guy that when I think of growing up was like, one of those dudes. We, I mean, like everyone knew him. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it wasn't just like the Reds. Like, oh yeah, like he's just a hometown kind of guy. No, like everyone knew about Brandon Phillips, and like I mean, he had all the deals and stuff. I remember teammates had his like glove and shit. Like it, it was like, dude was popular, and he he had the swagger too. Um, the thing is with him, it was what was I trying to get at with with him? It was like. I, what was? Do you remember the deal? 
why he got traded and shipped off to the Reds? I don't. I forget what it was, but it was just like, I don't know. Like, I, I, it was weird. I, Cliff Lee wasn't. No, it wasn't the Cliff Lee involvement, was it? Obviously not because of the Reds. <laughs> it was actually an awful trade. Yeah, I think it was something weird. It was like he, one of he our got worst traded trades for ever. A player to be named later, and it was Jeff Stevens. Yeah, so he, he was bad. So here's the thing: second base, right? Shortstop too. A little um, bit of both, right? He... Pretty sure there was a little bit of both. Yeah. If you think about it, he came here in a like massive deal. Yeah, he actually came here in the Bartolo deal. Yeah, but like he got sent he off. He was highly nothing. touted. Yeah. That's why. Like, like sorry, yeah. I was just still reading. No, 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 it's all good. Um, I think the thing with him, like, if you stick him at second, consider him a second baseman. He would have been an, probably the best second baseman we ever had. Yeah, if you truly think about it, because I mean, like, if, we really, I mean, like, at least in recent memory. Here's right? the thing: because Jason Kipnis is the one that's in consideration right now. If Jason Kipnis is in consideration for all time best second baseman for the Ouch. Cleveland Indians, and I'm not taking a shot at him. No, good, no, no. good player and stuff. I loved him when he was around. Right, but like, but he's just not like he's not an all-time guy. Yep, exactly. And now it's the one hole. Like, if we're doing like an all-time team, like we just never really had. Yeah, but either uh, way, yeah. By the way, uh, the deal that he came over here, just because I think it's fucking insane. Yeah, uh, Bartolo and Tim Drew get traded to the Montreal Expos. And we get back Cliff Lee, Grady Sizemore, and Lee Stevens, who basically means nothing. But, like, Cliff Lee and Grady Sizemore in the same trade. And, yeah. Like, I, wow. Yeah. And Brandon Phillips. Who and Brandon Phillips yeah. in it, too. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, he was my last guy that I had since I was obviously – I only need five names for it. Um, this one, again, another sentimental guy. Um, Michael Brantley. He was on my, uh, my honorable mentions as well. Because the thing is, like – Growing up, being a contact hitter, never, you know, hitting home runs or anything like that, Michael Brantley was, like, that kind of guy where it's just, like, you look up to him in a sense, you know? And it stung when he left because it's just, like, that was the one dude that you always kind of were, like, man, like, I want to be like him when I grow up kind of thing, you know? He was not just dreams. Yeah, he, you know, wanted it have the MLB dreams and stuff. But, like, the thing is, like, he moves away, goes off. I forget where he went to. Houston. Houston. It Was it a – I thought he didn't go to a team first and then Houston? No, nah, I'm pretty sure it's straight to Houston. I mean, dude, he's still, like, with Houston, too. Yeah, yeah he is. That's he's he's hurt thing. this year, but, like, he's – The injury issues were – Yeah, the, the reason he didn't make my list was that exactly. Like, yeah. he, he dealt with some injuries, but – when he was, he, he's been there for four years now. This being his fifth, he hasn't played this year, and in two of those years, not full seasons, not even really close, like not even close to 100 games. But in the two years that he played and was at 100, he's hitting like still like 300. Yeah, like he was just such a consistent hitter, and I he, mean, he is Miles Straw, but like the way he actually should be. good Miles Straw. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was that was that was the one that like stung yeah. a lot. Um, I'm trying to find his age. Can't really pull it up. I, He's older. He's like 34. 30, oh, no. 36. 36. Man. Yeah. Just turned 36 about a month ago, but wow. That's yeah. crazy. No, he's he's older now, man. He spent a lot of time here. Good for him, though. Yeah. That longevity, man. Uh, and then my last guy, or more recent guy, 
a guy that we actually talked about before and uh before we started this podcast it was yandy diaz yeah yeah i saw him i was i was considering that one i just didn't know i guess he wasn't with us for like he was he didn't stick with us for too long that was my thing yeah you know what the problem was let's hear it he played 60 some games here yeah dude was hitting 312 and we let him go yeah no, what like are we I'm doing. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Like we shouldn't have let him. Like yeah, that was dumb as shit. But the thing is, like, 28, 2017, 2018, he didn't play fifty in either, not fifty games. But in twenty eighteen, he was hitting three twelve in one hundred twenty plate appearances, and they were just like, yeah, no, that's just not good enough. What was the deal that shipped him off? You're gonna have to give me a second to. Uh, he's with the Rays now. I know. Yeah, that. he was part of a three team trade. Uh, with the Indians with Cole Solcer to the Rays. Uh, the Rays sent Cash to the Mariners. The Rays sent Jake Bowers here. Oh, Jake Bowers. And the Mariners sent uh, Carlos Santana back to us for the second stint. And we sent Edwin Encarnacion to the Mariners. What kind of trade was that? I don't know. It was ugly. It was terrible. It did not work out for us in the slightest. And we missed on... A guy who is now a like regular 300 hitter. Uh, he's one of the biggest pieces in that Rays World Series run in 2020. Mm-hmm. Like he he's literally been popping off ever since. Dude is like huge. Oh, he's, dude, he's a muscle maniac. Like you gotta like test that boy. Yeah, uh, I, they have, and it's just, <laughs> he's it's, clean. Yeah, that's like, the crazy part. He's just a genetic monster. Yes. Uh, I guess guys that I had on my list who didn't quite make it, by the way. Um, Richie Sexton, he was a guy right at the beginning yeah, of the decade. I uh, looked at him. He, he finished top 15 in MVP voting twice after leaving, but it just wasn't a very long career for him. No. Uh, Gio Urshela. He was, yeah. He was he, he's a guy who's had some success. He's a incredible defensive talent who they just said couldn't hit. And guess what? You can hit. Uh, and Jesus Aguilar. That was my other guy. Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, I was I was looking at him. It, it was just like, wasn't, it wasn't like an incredible career, but he's made some like He's made it as a guy who stuck around in the league he's as a starter. He's still the Brewers, right? Uh, no, I think he's bounced around now at the end of his career, actually. I, I can't even remember where he is at the moment. But he's, he like he was with the Brewers, and he's with Miami. I think he's with Oakland this year. Yeah. He, he went to the Brewers, or he went to Milwaukee, right? The Brewers, yeah. Then he yeah. went to the Rays for a year. And then he was with Miami for two years and some change. Ended last year with Baltimore, and now he's on Oakland. Yeah, that was that was weird. I always thought of him as like really young yeah. too, and then like now I'm like looking at him like, ooh, yeah, he's not young anymore. So yeah. yikes. Yeah, I mean bouncing around, I guess now. Yeah, but uh, I mean that pretty much wraps up the episode. Yeah, uh, we'll run through our picks one more time just for the sake of things. I uh, have the second picks, so I'll just let you go first, actually, since you had the number one. I had CC Sabathia, Bartolo Colon, and my boy, Dr. Smooth, Michael Brantley. I had Manny Ramirez, Brandon Phillips, and the recent leaving, Yanni Diaz. There we go. That pretty much wraps things up. It was another good Guardians episode. Yes, sir. Got some things off our chest and uh, had some fun. Anything you want to add? Not much, man. Just hopefully take an ice bath tonight, relax. But- <laughs> you make sure to do that. Uh, the only thing is... Next episode, you'll be 21, but you also I will won't not be, be here. here. I, I'm looking for a filling house. So, I think I I think I I got a guy that you should definitely bring in. There's I'll be listening. Guy. I'll be listening. I'll, I'm taking suggestions right now. I've asked a couple of people and have a, a 
couple of maybes, but that's about it. No one really wants to talk with you. That's probably it. Yeah, they just think I talk too much and never shut up. That's probably true. I mean, that's the same thing with me, so it's, you know, dynamic yeah. duo right there. Right, and that pretty much does it, but uh, yeah, make sure... Hit the follow button on the podcast. Hit the bell. Make sure you get notifications every time we post so you know when there's a new episode, which if you don't do that, you can just know it's every Wednesday and Friday morning. Follow us on social media. Uh, the podcast on social media is at MBTTPod on Twitter, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram. If you're looking for me specifically, at Volnick2 on Twitter, at Jake Volnick on Instagram, and Dylan, your socials. It is always and will, I don't know, always will always be, but D-Y felt. Sim- short and simple, baby. All right, well, I think that uh, that pretty much is just about the end of it. So, oh, yeah, I like that idea. Good, good shit. All right, we'll be uh, seeing you back on Wednesday. Deuces. See you.